forgiveness, and Jesus. Today I would like to talk about how vital forgiveness is. And I'd like to reflect on Jesus' death on the cross, which is both an act of God's powerful forgiveness and also an example to which we can strive. See, it wouldn't surprise me if everybody listening to me today had at least one broken relationship. But the forgiveness of Jesus is powerful, and it can be the foundation for restoring even the worst relationships. Let's dive in. We're continuing on in our Sermon on the Mount series. Two weeks ago, Pastor Andrew spoke about prayer, and this past Sunday, Pastor Brian covered fasting. And if you're following along in Matthew chapter 6, you're going to see that we'll take a little step back into verses 14 and 15 to talk about forgiveness. Now, it's interesting that this is the place where Jesus talks about forgiveness. You may remember forgiveness is actually mentioned in the Lord's Prayer as well. Jesus teaches us to pray, saying, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. But verses 14 and 15 come directly after the Lord's Prayer. Why is this important? Well, after teaching us how to pray, Jesus immediately clarifies his teaching on forgiveness. He could have said anything, brought up any part of his prayer, but he decides that forgiveness is important enough to repeat right away. So let's, let's get it straight in our minds, what Jesus means by forgiveness. The word in the Greek is used when you forgive someone of a moral wrongdoing, but it's also used when you're letting go of a debt in a monetary sense. So when someone forgives another person, they're letting go of some debt that the person owes them. And this can happen after the offender has repented and asked for forgiveness, uh, but it can also happen beforehand. If we acknowledge to God that we don't hold this person to any debt that they owe us, then we are forgiving them before they even ask for it. So let's read Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, and we'll see what Jesus says about forgiveness. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is a hard saying of Jesus. The first verse is actually very comforting. Jesus is giving us a guarantee that God will forgive us if we forgive other people. And this guarantee is something we may tend to just gloss over. I mean, you hear it all the time in church that God will forgive his people. But praise God that he's a God who forgives his people and who makes promises that he will keep. Take Islam, for example. Muslims do not have this guarantee in their religion. They believe that their God will judge them rightly and justly at the end of their life, but they have no way of knowing with certainty right now that they're forgiven. Contrast that to Jesus' strong words here. See, he is giving an authoritative claim like this one. He says in a lot of other different places too, where he sets a firm foundation upon which we can know today whether or not God will forgive us. And notice, this promise of forgiveness is not limited to any one nation or family or social status. Jesus is simply stating, if you forgive other people, God will forgive you. 
This rule applies to everyone. All people who forgive will be forgiven. God does not play favorites with the rich or with the religious elites. God will judge presidents the same way he judges the mailman, which is incredible. It's so radical that we don't even see this in our world at all. You know, you think about it. We have people that are rich. They can pay for better lawyers. They get off the hook a little more easily. Maybe there's very powerful leaders who are just too high up that you can't really bring them down. And if any normal person would be accused of the same uh, wrongdoing, they would be caught and put in jail or punished in some way. So this is the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about. This is fair. This is radically different than what we're used to seeing in our world. But before we get too excited, we move on to the second verse. And in it, he's very clear. If you don't forgive other people, then God will not forgive you. So it makes sense why Jesus would want to clarify this point and repeat it. Forgiveness is so vital that you can judge your eternal destiny based upon whether or not you honestly forgive other people. So this saying of Jesus could be the most practical thing in your entire life. For all of you who are holding on to bitterness, maybe it's against your spouse, maybe a best friend, or maybe you're just holding on to hatred to some jerk who personally insulted you. Jesus is giving you a very serious warning. He's saying, look out. If you want to be forgiven by God, then you must be the kind of people who forgive others. Let's just think about it for a minute. I mean, if you went up to heaven and after you died, you met God and he said, oh, Drew, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're finally here um, because I've been suppressing all this anger against you. You know, remember that one time that you cursed my name? Yeah, I know you, you repented from that and I said I forgave you, but I never really let it go. And now that you're here, it's time to punish you. I mean, that's just ridiculous. This is not how God acts. And we are to reflect God's actions and God's ways of being. So this is the kind of thing that we need to see ourselves as human beings created in God's image and made to reflect the way he does things, not the way that we would like to do things naturally. But (laughs) hold up. All of this sounds like we have to do something to get to heaven, as if We earn our eternal salvation based on our works. I mean, it sort of sounds like that, right? Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Which is problematic because we've all been angry at somebody else. Not forgiving them when we should. Maybe even after they've already said that they're sorry. We're just people that don't always get it right. And Jesus' words here could be really problematic for all of us, including me. Because I want God to forgive me, even if I haven't forgiven other people as I should. But let's not get too worried about this, because now we're starting to put words into Jesus' mouth that he didn't say. Let's just read the text again. Verse 14 goes like this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is not saying that forgiving others is the means by which you are forgiven. No, no, no. He is very general in these two statements. And there could easily be some extra piece of the puzzle 
that we're missing here that Jesus just isn't explaining in these two verses. It's only two verses of the Bible here, guys. So that's why I'm really glad that today we are doing this for the Good Friday service. You see, traditionally we focus on Jesus' death on Good Friday. Today is a day of fasting for me, and I'm sure many of you are also taking up Pastor Brian's challenge last week to fast for God. So while we reject the provision of food, let's reflect on the provision of God by reading about Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. And as we do this, I think you will see how Jesus' actions clarify his words about forgiveness. I'm going to read from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 27, verses 50 through 54. This is starting right after Jesus is already hanging on the cross, and the soldiers and the religious leaders have been mocking him as he dies. Verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. This is a powerful passage. First of all, when Jesus died, he actively gave up his own spirit. Even dying on the cross, Jesus is the one in charge of his own life. And when he gives it up, at that moment, the curtain was torn in two. And this isn't just any curtain that hangs over the windows in your living room. This is a six-story tall curtain that completely closed off the holiest place in all of Israel from the general congregation. And if that's not enough, there was an earthquake strong enough to split the rocks. And if that's not enough, holy people who had died were brought back to life. All of this because of Jesus' death 2,000 years ago. But how does this event have anything to do with forgiveness? Well, I'll tell you. See, Jesus told us we must forgive if God is going to forgive us. But humans are naturally evil. Sin causes us to be unforgiving and hateful towards one another. This is a problem, and without a solution, we will not be forgiven by God. But here's the connection. Sin is also the reason why God's presence had to be sealed off by a curtain in the temple. And sin is also the reason why people die in this world. (laughs) But look. Jesus' death on the cross removed the curtain, which had previously separated God's presence. Jesus' death on the cross raised people to life who had previously died. Jesus' death is more powerful than sin, and if his death can overcome these major things, how much more can his death overcome our bitterness and our petty arguments amongst ourselves? I personally can attest to the restorative power of forgiveness in our relationships. I remember a few months back, some of my buddies invited us over for a party. We all had a great time, but I accidentally broke something in their house. 
and it was really difficult for me to own up to it, and I left that night feeling really bad about what I had done. So the next morning, I decided to do what I thought was right. I drove back to their house and apologized. I asked for them to forgive me, and I paid back the money which the item had cost them. These were fellow Christians, and they completely forgave me, though I'll admit it was not the easiest thing for me to own up to. But the true freedom I felt after we had been reconciled, man, there's nothing like that. Now we can both move past the sin and have real friendship again. There were still consequences for what I did, but our discussion was open and honest, and my friends forgave me. Jesus worked through them in a spirit of love rather than bitterness. Guys, Jesus is powerful enough to make us better people. If you're still holding a grudge and can't forgive someone, you have not gone to Jesus and asked him for help. Our Savior is ready and willing to heal all those who seek him. But if you'd rather keep on living in your sin, he'll let you do it, and you won't be able to forgive. Just don't say that he didn't warn you. (laughs) As for all those who do want to live like Jesus, let's just take a second to enjoy the never-ending riches that he has given us. This man, who was God himself, gave everything he had to open up our path to eternal life. He is the means by which we live. He is the example we look to when we want to learn what forgiveness looks like. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will, we will not stumble. His restorative power in our hearts will make us into people who forgive one another freely, openly, naturally. This is the power of Jesus and what he can do in our lives. That's why Jesus could be so harsh in Matthew chapter 6, verse 15. He knows that anyone who places their faith in him will be totally transformed. It is a warning to those of you who haven't trusted in Jesus with their lives. He wants you to be honest with yourselves. And if you need to forgive someone, first remember that Jesus has taken on the punishment to forgive you of all the things that you have done wrong. And knowing that, believing that, makes it possible to forgive other people in the same radical way. If you have been forgiven for all the terrible things that you have done, then how can you try to hold somebody else accountable for wronging you? Those of us who truly understand this will easily forgive all people who wrong us, and everyone who forgives will be forgiven by God, the Father, on the Day of Judgment. That's the bulk of what I have to say to you today. But lastly, I would just like to encourage you all to really live out the forgiveness of God in your lives this week. Look at the example of Jesus. He was publicly mocked and killed, and he endured all of this so that we, would, we could have a relationship with God and live. When God forgives, he's not thinking about his own benefits. He died on the cross to benefit us. And when you forgive, your spouse or your friends, don't think about your own benefits. Act according to what's best for them. And church, if you do this, don't be surprised if the barriers are torn down, if a dead relationship suddenly springs back to life. The restorative power of Jesus is stronger than the forces which tear us apart. He has healed families and friendships that seemed too far gone to redeem. And just like the centurion and the guards exclaimed, surely he was the son of God, 
when they saw the power of Jesus' death, others will see the results of our forgiveness and glorify the God who brought it about. Expect this, pray for this, and forgive one another. Let's pray. Oh God, we praise you for your immense power and grace. Please remind us of Jesus when we find it difficult to forgive somebody else. Fill our hearts with the power of your spirit which can bring the dead back to life. May we forever glory in the forgiveness which has been granted to us. And may we forgive all people who forgive against us. Who sin against us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.